1: Of all the crimes humans perpetrate against one another, there is perhaps none more unimaginable than a parent killing their own child. But unfortunately, we see it all too far often across the news headlines. Such was the case on January 23, 2010, when Neil Jacobson shot and killed his wife Frankie and the couple's seven-year-old twin boys, Eric and Joshua, before attempting to kill himself by overdosing on prescription medications. While he never denied the crimes, Jacobson, along with some friends, family and doctors, said the antidepressants prescribed to Jacobson three weeks before the murders might have been at least partially to blame. Jacobson pleaded guilty to three counts of first-degree murder and is currently serving three life sentences. Today we will begin another series to run concurrently with our Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women series. Parents Who Murdered Their Children this week... Are mysteriously listed. Number 6. James Dupree Lewis Jr. His name was James Dupree Lewis Jr., but everyone knew him as Squirt. And he lived with his baby sister, his mother Deborah Johnson, and her live in boyfriend of one year, Maurice Marcel Martin. They lived in an apartment in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. On the morning of July 28, 1991, Martin took James to the Grant Food Supermarket in the 300 block of North Reservoir Street. Martin left James in the car while he went inside for a couple of things. He would later claim he was only inside for a few minutes, but when he returned, the four-year-old was gone. Maybe he made the short walk back home. Maybe he got bored. It happens. But when Martin arrived back at the apartment, James wasn't there and he was reported missing to police. The police immediately showed up and they searched the neighbourhood, up and down as day turned to night, but there was no sign of the missing boy. Ultimately, this search would last 71 days. Investigators scoured over evidence and performed interviews. Residents turned out in droves to help in the searches as County President Judge Joseph Madden said, He didn't walk into a new life at age four. Something happened to him. Authorities eventually determined Martin's story about James was untrue. Looking back at previous reports of possible child abuse from earlier that year, where social workers made multiple unannounced visits to the household, but Johnson and Martin adamantly denied there was any violence in the home. James and his baby sister appeared healthy, appropriately dressed and well-fed. There was no visible injuries. Because of this, child welfare authorities closed their file on the family two months before James disappeared. But then police discovered reports from neighbours of Martin being violent towards James, kicking him and striking him with a tree branch. It was clear to everyone who knew the family that James was terrified of Martin – and he was charged with criminal homicide in October 1991. Johnson testified against Martin at the trial, stating he severely abused James on a regular basis, how he forced the little boy to stand on a crate for hours. In another instance, Martin kicked the little boy, sending him airborne. Yet another time, Martin spiked a can of soda with hot sauce and gave it to James to drink, Quote, Martin was chuckling while he heard the boy choking. It was just a warped sense of discipline. Martin's attorney admitted his client had abused the little boy, but that didn't mean he was responsible for the child's disappearance. Two witnesses who testified for the defence said they saw James alive after he was reported missing. May 1992, the jury convicted Martin of third degree murder. This would be the first murder conviction without a body in the state of Pennsylvania. He served 20 years in prison before being released in 2012. Most of James's family, including his mother Deborah Johnson, have moved away from the area. James's body has never been found. Number 5. Robert Manuel, Eight-year-old Robert Manuel lived with his father, Charles Manuel in New Plymouth, Idaho, for most of the year. His father had full custody. However, in the summer of 2009, he was to spend a month with his mother, Melissa Jenkins, and her boyfriend, Daniel Ehrlich Jr., in Boise. What his father didn't know that during this month... Robert would be subjected to horrific abuse and torture at the hands of Ehrlich. He was repeatedly beaten to his head and body, Ehrlich dropping his knees to Robert's chest if he misbehaved. Despite being eight years old, he was forced to sleep in a baby crib. He lost a substantial amount of weight because Ehrlich forced him to eat the meal he hated the most, oatmeal and raisins, causing him to vomit. Robert's mother Jenkins, was present for all of this abuse, but never once getting her son medical attention or asking Ehrlich to stop. A social worker would visit the home weekly to check on Jenkins' youngest child. Aside from Robert, she already lost custody of two other children due to child abuse. At the time of Robert's murder, Jenkins was on probation for fracturing the skull of Robert's infant half-brother just a year earlier. During these social worker visits, Robert was hidden in a closet by Jenkins, isolating him to make sure no one could have stopped it or helped him. It is believed on July 24, 2009, the day Robert was reported missing, Earl Hark panicked and killed him because he was covered in bruises and about to go home to his father. Ehrlich and Johnson were worried that if they allowed that to happen and Charles was told about the abuse then they would lose all custody of their youngest child. Thousands of volunteers helped in the search for Robert, this sweet little boy who had read every Harry Potter book a dozen times and was saving his pocket money for violin lessons. His disappearance brought an outpouring of sympathy and concern throughout the city, everyone praying for the little boy's safe return. Unfortunately, ten days later, Robert's body would be found at a canal not far from his home, rocks stuffed in his pockets in an effort to hide what had been done to him. An autopsy would determine Robert had essentially been beaten to death. The fatal beating caused bruises, abdominal bleeding and injuries and head injuries. Police quickly zeroed in on early Ken Jenkins, charging them both with first-degree murder and failing to report Robert's death to law enforcement. Ultimately, Jenkins was found guilty to the lesser charge of aiding and abetting second-degree murder and would be sentenced to 25 years in prison. Ehrlich was convicted on the first-degree murder charge and is currently serving two life sentences. Said 4th District Judge Darla Williamson at sentencing, quote, Robert died all alone in substantial pain with no one there to care for him and love him, unquote. Number 4, Avalon Lewis. January 15, 2010, 6:40 p.m., Roanoke, Virginia. A call comes into 911 to report a break-in and an abduction. Three men broke into a home on the 2100 block of King Charles Avenue Southeast. Brendan Lockett was reporting being knocked unconscious. His four-year-old stepdaughter had been bound and restrained, and they had abducted his two-year-old stepson Avilon, leaving behind a ransom note demanding $10,000. Lockett would be all over the media, taking interviews from whoever would listen. Begging for the return of Avilon and recounting the terrifying break-in and attack, so everyone was shocked when his story changed and the truth was revealed. There was no traumatic break-in, and Avilon was not abducted. He was dead, killed some time before Lockett called nine one one to report the fake abduction. Lockett claimed the toddler choked while eating, and the body had been disposed of by a friend. Little Avilon did not have the easiest start to life, born prematurely. Avilon was treated by doctors for failure to thrive. He would eventually be taken from his mother, Morgan Lockett, by social workers for neglect, at 15 months old and weighing only 8 pounds, what most babies weigh at birth. Avilon would stay in foster care for almost a year after this, gaining more than 30 pounds in that time. Said Renoke Assistant Commonwealth Attorney Sandra Workman, quote, he was returned a happy, pudgy baby. Unquote. In the four months between when Avilon's mother and stepfather regained custody and when he went missing, Avilon had shed weight dramatically. He was very emaciated, weighing far less than the 40 pounds he weighed upon leaving foster care. January 27, 2010, less than two weeks after Avilon went missing, his body was recovered in Smith Gap landfill in trash that came from his neighbourhood. This sweet little boy had been wrapped in tape and plastic, covered in burns that had not been treated. Avilon had starved to death. February 2011. A grand jury indicted Brendan and Morgan Lockett with second-degree murder, child neglect and cruelty. During the court hearing, it was revealed the toddler had suffered a broken arm that occurred about a month before he died. Neither parent sought medical treatment for this, though, because in their words, quote, his tolerance for pain was high, unquote. It was also revealed at trial that Brendan Lockett would beat the toddler with a belt as a toilet training method when he soiled his diaper. Let's remember, Avilon was only two years old here. Morgan Lockett was sentenced to 40 years in prison, and Brendan Lockett for 50 years for the murder and neglect of Avilon Lewis. Number 3. Lauren Dickens Nineteen-year-old Shikara Dickens was a single mother to two children under two years old. The father of these babies, Benjamin Norfleet, was in prison, and she was struggling financially to care for the children. According to Dickens' initial report to police, September seventh, two 2010, a woman arrived at her apartment in Memphis, Tennessee, claiming to be a friend of her baby daddy. Dickens would state she never met this woman before, but described her as white and in her 40s. This woman offered to take Dickens' youngest child, nine-month-old Lauren Dickens, until Benjamin was released from prison. Relieved, Dickens gave this baby without getting the woman's name or any contact information. For the next week, Dickens lived it up in true Casey Anthony style. She went out clubbing with friends, downing drinks without any concern for her baby. She went out shopping for new clothes and even got a new tattoo, only reporting Lauren missing eight days later when her mother demanded her to. Now, police did not believe Dickens' story right from the get-go. They visited Benjamin in jail to try and get more information, but he knew nothing. He didn't know anyone matching the description Dickens gave. He hadn't even spoken with Dickens for a month after she blocked his number. This is when Dickens panicked and her story changed a number of times. Lauren was with Benjamin's parents, she gave her up for adoption, but every story quickly unravelled. This was when Dickens told police she would tell the truth of what happened to her daughter, she had killed her. That she wanted to go out on the night of September 7th, but couldn't find a babysitter and she started crying. Little Lauren, seeing her mother upset, started to cry too. But this further irritated Dickens, and she put her hands over the little girl's mouth and nose until she went limp. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what was wrong with me, but I was holding her. I put my hands over her mouth and nose and she passed out. I realized what I was doing and I stopped. She started crying and I did it again and her body just went limp. Unquote. After she suffocated her daughter, she wrapped Lauren's tiny body in a towel and put her in a garbage bag, placing her in an empty dumpster two apartment buildings away. The next day, she watched as this dumpster was removed by the garbage disposal team. Dickens was sentenced to 19 years in prison. Because she had no prior convictions, it is believed she will be released early. She could be freed by the age of 35. Lauren's body has never been found. Number 2. Levi May 20th, 2013, Cody Maybur walked into the kitchen of a squalid music studio the family were living in in Sydney, Australia. He was carrying the lifeless body of seven-year-old Levi. The boy was foaming from the mouth. He told his new partner and Levi's mother, Kayla James, that he had been in an accident that Levi knocked himself out after falling off a pogo stick. It was obvious the boy was in serious need for medical attention, but James insisted Levi was only acting up for attention. To prove this wasn't true, Maber would punch the child in the stomach and scream in his face. He would light a cigarette lighter and hold the flame over the child's hands and feet until Levi flinched. This was enough for the couple, and they would leave Levi on the ground on a dirty mattress for 24 hours while he was dead or dying. It would only be the following morning when James found her son cold and stiff that she would call for paramedics. Maber made up a number of stories to explain Levi's injuries. First, he told police that the boy had fallen off a pogo stick. Then he had fallen off a catering-sized instant coffee tin on which he'd been forced to balance as a form of punishment. When doctors discounted all of this as the cause of Levi's injuries, Maber finally struck on the story he would repeat at his trial, that he'd accidentally thrown him on the floor whilst play-wrestling. After a seven-week trial, a jury convicted Cody Maybur for Levi's murder and 13 other charges of assault and recklessly wounding Levi over a ten-week period End of producing child abuse material. Bizarrely, the most powerful evidence against Mayburr and James came from hours of video recorded from James's mobile phone and from a computer on which the pair recorded themselves beating Levi, getting his siblings to hit him, battering him with a spatula and wooden plank, and even trying to force him to insert a finger into his three-year-old brother's anus. In March 2016, May Burr was sentenced to 32 years in jail with a non-parole period of 31 and a half years, Although the sentence was backdated to his arrest in September 2013, he will be at least 61 years old before he is released. On social media, many thought this was not harsh enough. Some called for the death penalty to be brought back for such crimes. As for Kayla James, she was convicted on multiple charges of assault, and of Levi's manslaughter relating to her gross negligence for not getting medical help. Because she pled guilty and agreed to testify against Maybur, James's sentence was reduced by 40% to 14 years in jail, with a non-parole period of 10 and a half years. The court heard evidence that Maybur, who described himself as a Christian hip-hop artist, had bizarre boot camp parenting ideas, and Kayla had fallen under his influence, quote, like a member of a cult, unquote. Number 1. Aniston Walker. July 9th, 2014. Andrea Walker would later tell police she left her 7-week-old daughter Aniston Walker at home alone in the 5600 block of Falling Buck Drive while she took her other children to school. When she returned home half an hour later, Aniston was gone. After initial confusion over who the baby was really with that day, police questioned Walker's story. The house was completely locked, and there was no sign of a break-in. Especially since neighbours would later state they didn't even know there was a baby in the household, quote, I knew she had those boys but not the baby, sure didn't, I'm just as surprised as everyone else, unquote. Police searched all around the area, in homes under construction, in dumpsters and trash bins, and then eventually in a wooded area around the family's home with cadaver dogs. But there was no sign of Aniston, and three days after she disappeared, the ground search was suspended. Andrea Walker was charged with child abuse and neglect, quote, Walker has not been as forthcoming as we wish that she would. Realistically, seven week old kids don't mysteriously disappear without some circumstances behind it. Unquote. February 16th, 2014, almost a month after Aniston went missing, her body was found. A motorcyclist pulled over near Jones Orchard produce stand and was walking around while waiting for friends. He found Aniston's tiny newborn body in a ditch, face down on the side of the road. An autopsy report determined Aniston died by quote, intentional violence of undetermined type, unquote. but no cause of death was evident, as there was no sign of obvious injury or illness. There was no drugs or medication in Aniston's system. Soon after, Walker was charged with first-degree murder in the perpetration of a felony for aggravated child neglect. End first-degree murder in the perpetration of a felony for aggravated child abuse. Walker was facing the possibility of serving life in prison for her baby's death. March 2017. Andrea Walker would plead guilty to a negotiated plea deal, agreed to by the Shelby County District Attorney-General's Office for a suspended sentence of four years with four years probation. No justice was served for Aniston, and we will never get answers on what truly happened that day. What would you like to see mysteriously listed? Do you have a particular theme that interests you? Please search mysteriously listed on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss an episode. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search mysterious list. If you like what you heard today, we would appreciate it if you share this episode on your social media of choice and subscribe and leave a positive review on your podcast app. Research, additional writing, hosting and production is by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu.